Welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. In this podcast, we take a close look at various aspects of the digital workplace. And in this episode, we're starting with this premise. That is that consumer technology is having and will continue to have a big impact on how we get work done in the enterprise. Many point to the year 2007 as the date that consumerization exploded. Executives came into the office after the winter holiday season with their brand new iPhones, and they told IT, hey, figure out how to make these iPhones work in the corporate environment. And thus, consumerization was born. So the question at hand is this, what are the latest consumer trends that we can expect to soon see within the enterprise. To help with this topic, I'm sitting here with Chief Technologist for Unisys, Sandy Dari. Welcome, Sandy. Hey, well, thank you, Weston. Great to be here. Sandy, I think that uh, CES, or the Consumer Electronics Show, is probably one of the best places to see what cool new technology is coming at us in the consumer space. So what did you notice at CES that we in the enterprise should be paying attention to? Well. The two major things I saw at CES were friendly bots and foldable technology. So the friendly bots, that sounds really interesting. Can you give me some quick examples of what you mean by that? So, yeah, the kind of things we saw out there were things like the Mars cat, which is a robotic cat that mimics and responds and gestures the same way a normal cat does. Um, there was things like the Sony Ibo, which is a robotic dog, which is almost like a surrogate pet, um, again, with its own personality and its ability to interact with you uh, using AI. And the one that really kind of caught my eye was the Samsung Borley, which is really a personal assistant that follows you around and tries to interpret what you need. Uh, I tell you, Sandy, that sounds like a bit of a stretch. You're talking about a robot ball, a robot cat, a robot dog, and you're telling me somehow <laughs> these have something to do with digital workplace and the enterprise. Let's let's start off with your thoughts on the Samsung Bali. So the probably the best way to describe it is anybody who's a Star Wars fan, it looks very similar to the BB-8 droid, which is a little small circular droid that follows the, you know, the hero around. And uh, you know, Samsung's intention for this is that really you you we've we've seen the Alexas, we've seen the the Google assistants, and they're like, really, we want to do something different. Uh, we want one that really tethers itself to you in some way and it follows you around and it tries to understand what you do in your day what you need it understands you and it tries to anticipate your needs and it tries to help you and that's really you know the the evolution that a lot of the tech industries are seeing of how do we make this thing uh this this really assistant into something that really can change the way you work you operate how can we have this doing the things that really are maybe repetitive tasks or not really things that seem like a, a great productive use of your time. How can we send those things to devices like the Samsung Bowley? Let me think about your examples here. You've talked about the Mars Cat, the Sony Ibo Dog, Samsung Bali. And what I'm hearing that all of these have in common is that they are bots that learn about you and your needs. And uh, we could even say they have endearing or friendly qualities. You like being around them. So is that the quality that we can expect to see in the next wave of bots and AI in the enterprise? So I don't really think we're going to see a robot kitty coming to the enterprise that soon. You know, the concept is great, it's fun, but uh, not quite that. <laughs> but what we're going to see is some of those same qualities, though. Um, you know, these things are created because 
there's a there's an interest and there's a demand in um, understanding behavior and having these endearing qualities. And you know, if you look at AI in general, you know, people still are curious about it, very particularly curious about it to understand what is it, how can it benefit me, what does it know about me, how do I know it's not going to get all of these things wrong and I end up in a, a very strange experience. And those are the things that this is really kind of trying to turn that corner to to understand that behavior, to represent things. And, you know, we see the same in enterprise. From our standpoint, we we see the same kind of initial skepticism was there when um, we start to use things like intelligent AI or enterprise personal assistance. But, you know, as that technology has dramatically matured, we see really the benefits that come from doing that. You know, for example, the pain point for clients that we hear about all the time is just the, the you know, the hire to retire process, onboarding, offboarding, all the processes are associated with that and data retention and compliance. That's really a challenging process. And if somebody had spoke to you 10 years ago while we're walking around with these clunky laptops that, hey, I'm going to have AI control this for you from start to finish, they would, again, look to you very skeptically and say, hey, I don't think that's going to work. So if I, I marry these two things together, the uh, the kitty bot and, and Bali, it seems like in the not too distant future within the enterprise, we'll actually be able to have an intelligent personal assistant that is one that we're not afraid of. We're actually, it has endearing qualities um, that we like and we expect to interact and work with to get our job done. I mean, is, is that what you're saying, Sandy? It's exactly what I think is one of the trends of the future, but it also has that nice benefit. That assistant is going to be there with you 24 hours a day. You wake up in the middle of the night and you have something on your mind that you forgot about. It's going to be there to ready to respond and understand, hey, this is a different situation. What do I need to do to help this person? I could use that to help me uh, as I come up with ideas for podcasts and record them for me wherever I am. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, Sandy, can you give me an example of how AI is uh, making a difference in the consumer space, and you you could see that having the same impact in the enterprise? Uh, you know, just a really interesting example today. Uh, myself and a friend, we were getting ready to treat another friend to dinner. So they sent me a text message, hey, I booked the restaurant, it's going to be this place, but don't tell the other friend because it's a surprise. And I was looking at the message, and unfortunately I was busy with something, and I thought, hmm, I really need to reply. And, um, you know, the AI that's built into my, my cell phone's messaging platform started to suggest a response for me. And I looked at the response, and I thought, that's better than the acknowledgement response I was going to send. The response it came up with was, ha-ha, okay, thumbs up. <laughs> okay. and, and I was like, that is better than what I would say. So I clicked it and sent it, and it actually changed the response back from my friend. I know my friend. That's another way of interpreting, understanding, and actually helping me come up with something better than I was going to do, which would have been, you know, just unfortunately just ill thought out because of the time I had to spend on it. Oh, that's interesting. So if we play that forward into the enterprise, AI helping us with uh, our interactions with colleagues uh, or partners or vendors could actually improve the quality of our responses or interactions and, and even the relationship. Uh, that is an interesting prediction, Sandy. I would love to see some element of that make itself into its way into the enterprise. The endearing qualities that are coming out in some of these robots like the, the, the Mars cap, do you see those having value and being used in the enterprise? 
Yeah, actually, what you've just kind of described there is some of the things I see already that we've implemented in our Unisys IntelliServe platform today. The ability for AI to understand user behavior, interpret it, and be suggestive and guiding to the user is already things that we're doing today. And I just see that continuing and evolving as we continue down our roadmap. Well, one reason that I think it's so important for AI to become more endearing is, uh, frankly, there's a lot of distrust with artificial intelligence. For example, if people interact with a chatbot and the chatbot can't answer the question, well, we make fun of it. We say, ah, that AI is not very intelligent, is it? But on the other hand, if it acts too human and knows too much about you, it's kind of too helpful, that's almost creepy. So there's a real balance there. There's some work needs to be done to get AI and then the automation behind it into the right balance. If you look at the intent that there is here with these personal assistants and the, and these robots and bots, the intent is really uh, based on a couple of things. One is how well are they trained to interpret your needs immediately? Um, and that's when they have little knowledge of your habits, your behavior, your your understanding. And it's similar to a friend. You know, if you have a friend that you meet once, you know, next time you see them, the odds that you guys are the best friends in the world is not possible. It takes that building of a relationship and a building of an understanding. And all of a sudden, you have something that's finely tuned for you. So we've been talking about AI here, Sandy. Let's now talk about what you're seeing with automation. So, for example, we were working with a client in the life sciences sector. They tend to go through a lot of change with onboarding uh, during certain seasons. And it was it was just a really time-intensive task. It was traditionally it was 30 hours plus. And now we have AI-powered automation that's taking place that actually turns this process to, to under a minute now. And uh, the user is getting a superior experience through that with no real notion that the interactions that they're having are with an AI. What they do see is, I have this demand, I have this need, I want to be able to let you know what I need. And then with under a minute, they gain that gratification. And I can see where the enterprise benefits as well, um, especially if you're hiring somebody, they come into the office and it's taking you, you know, three days, let's say 30 hours or, or so, to get that person all of the devices, the apps, the identity, the other things that they need, even the access to training, they're not productive. They're paying for that person to just sit there and wait for stuff to arrive. And if you can, can make that so that the minute they walk in, they can hit the ground running, that's a real impact to the business. It's, it really is. It really does make a difference, but it also does an, a, a really powerful thing as well. It fosters trust. Well, I tell you, Sandy, when we started off our, our discussion here talking about robot cats having an impact on, on how we work in the digital workplace, I have to admit I was a bit skeptical. But you've made some very interesting points here about the endearing factor, uh, the importance of making AI friendly and comfortable for people to work with. So let's switch gears now. Let's talk about the second thing you saw at CES that you feel will also affect how we conduct business in the near future. Um, you were talking about the foldable Windows 10 devices. One of the things that I particularly see is that the line between mobile devices, tablets, and PCs is getting blurred. And it seems to be an area of convergence where things are coming together. So for example, the foldable tablet, I believe that that is what is being positioned as being the dominant platform going forward. So is that really an answer that's looking for a problem? I mean, I might think about tablets. Tablets have been around a long time and it really took a long time for them to become mainstream. So is, is that what we're seeing with the foldable phone? Is, is it really going to make a difference in how we work? 
I think it's going to make a, a big splash. There's a lot of uh, kinks that they'll have to iron out right now. You know, you hear about some some da- damage that takes place with the consistent folding. Those are the you know the early adopter teething problems that you're typically going to see. But what what we're really kind of seeing is that the power that a, a handheld form factor phone right now is becoming on par with those of a, a fully fledged laptop. And that's where the real kind of shift uh, is taking place. The ability that you have this device that's the same size as your traditional iPhone or a Samsung Android phone, you flip in, all of a sudden it's a tablet form factor, and then you have the ability to dock these things with a traditional USB cord into a screen or a dock, and then you have your complete desktop operating system presentable to you. They're now using virtual keyboards, projectable keyboards built in, and touchscreen keyboards. And all of a sudden, you're going through your security at airports, and now you have your entire office in your back pocket. That's where I think is really going to be an appeal to a lot of people. And there's there's really going to be very little compromise on the experience you get in comparison to carrying a fully-fledged laptop. Instead of replacing one with a device with another, I carry around a laptop, sometimes a tablet, but always my smartphone. Smartphone for sure, laptop number two, tablet probably number three. And I feel like I'm not alone. Are you suggesting that the devices are evolving to the point where I could probably do most of the work I need to with just one device? That's really where I see that going. You drew a very key point there. If you were going to accidentally misplace one of your devices, your work laptop or your phone, I know which one people would be more concerned about losing. <laughs> it's in terms of the immediacy of response or being able to be effective or allow more of your teamwork with peers to occur. You're still able to do quite a lot with that kind of device. And with the, the transient nature of data now, where really our devices are really just receptacles for storing temporary iterations of our data. Everything's always in the cloud. That's what I see is a big change that's kind of facilitating this, this, this method to take place. So I'm trying to picture what you described. Is it essentially a, the power of a laptop, uh, but in a much smaller form factor? It's the ability for the device to morph to whatever I need it to do, uh, whether I'm on a train, on a plane, uh, walking, you know, standing in front of a client, trying to have somebody huddle around there. It's it's the it's the different modalities it offers to me. Why can't I get that with a a laptop or uh, even a, even an iPad Pro with a keyboard? Oh, you you can. It's just it can be just a little bit unwieldy, and I just have one device. I'm not carrying a separate keyboard. I'm not trying to you know pair the device and hope it works. The keyboard is actually touchscreen. So I can use it as a large presentation device. I can use it as a traditional laptop with a very intuitive touchscreen that also starts to understand my typing behavior. Maybe if I type uh, you know, very hard in a certain letter or I cross a couple of them, it'll understand my behavior and correct that. And if I just want to use it as a, a tablet, maybe I want to consume some web data, uh, just some you know, web pages and just read stuff, catch up on the latest sports scores. I could do that too without having this, this even uh, you know, ultra portable out. I just have this very thin device that's available to me, which still has the same power. Okay. I, I think I'm understanding. It's the fact that the keyboard isn't obtrusive. Um, there's times when you need a keyboard and it's there, but it's not obtrusive. Uh, like like a fold-out laptop that doesn't fit behind the seat on an airplane. So it's not even just that. It's a two-in-one, right? The screens detach, and all of a sudden you've got pure tablet mode. The the tablet is foldable, or if I want, I can use it like a, a book, right? So 
my example, if I got a 15-inch, 13-inch screen without a normal ultra-portable, I now have two 13-inch screens because my keyboard is also a touchscreen. I can turn it landscape mode, and all of a sudden I got a 26-inch screen in front of me. I mean, it almost seems like a drawback having a touchscreen as a keyboard. Why is that a productivity improvement? For example, if you're doing video editing, instead of having a keyboard, it suddenly becomes a whole set of video editing controls. You you have a you know, like a trackball, or you have the ability to you know, to to jump to different sources. Or for example, if you're a DJ or music editing, all of a sudden instead of having a keyboard, you have a whole series of application controls that are intuitive and you know built towards just manipulation with your hands. There, that makes a difference. It's not just a keyboard; it can be a screen. It can be a touchpad. If I'm a DJ, it can be my audio editing keyboard as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Then it really opens up creativity for the way that people want to work. As you know, Microsoft are creating the OS. They have a lot of extra controls there for you know when you're doing content creation in the Office suite. So as I just to recap what I'm hearing, Sandy, it's a marrying of the cloud, the cloud apps and data, the um, the evolution of the device, so that I have enough power and a function in a single device that gives me through one device a greater flexibility and freedom and mobility to get work done wherever I need to for for the enterprise. Is that uh, it in a nutshell? That's exactly it. That's what I, again, I see. It will be a a cautious adoption curve in in my opinion. Again, the iPhone was a great catalyst for this is that, uh, you know, people start seeing this taking place and they see the, the advantages, they see the actual cool factor of it too. And then you start to see adoption taking place. Hey, I want one of those. I want to be able to work like that too. And that's, uh, you know, another thing that will really drive that consumption of that kind of form factor. I like the idea of using Unisys as an example. You know, we have global teams with experts all across the world that have different experiences, different insights, different backgrounds. And when we're working on something for a client, having a small group of people in one location with you know very similar experiences doesn't provide us with the best answer. So having the ability to to get a document, for example, or a proposal and having six or seven people around the world with different perspectives and different views, watching the whole thing come together dynamically on a shared platform and working interactively and seeing real time how something changes and how the, the dynamic changes the way that your work is perceived as well. That's that's pretty powerful. That was something that, again, 10 years ago was just unfathomable. That would be picking up the phone, having a conversation, waiting for it to take place. And there's, there's drag there in terms of how quickly you can do things and how effective you are. Well, Sandy Derry, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Absolutely, Weston. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Sandy Dari, Chief Technologist at Unisys, as he reflects on how we can expect to see two of the latest consumer trends that we saw at CES showing up soon in the enterprise. Specifically, we can expect to see friendly AI and endearing bots becoming more important in how we get work done. And secondly, we talked about foldable devices, how they may soon replace the collection of devices that we carry around today, that laptop, tablet, and smartphone, all being replaced by a powerful foldable device that can morph to be whatever we need it to be wherever we are. You've been listening to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for listening. 